Hey there listeners, it's Greg Domwich back on the mic once again. Uh, I hope it's been a good couple weeks for you, because it's been busy for us, because, well, you know why. You've watched things, you know the E3 happened. But in the meantime, we did still manage to squeak out a few non-E3 related things, so let's get into that before the podcast fires up. Over in the features department, we've been brewing up a big feature in honor of Father's Day, so we've got the 30 best RPG dads. You've got people like Barrett Wallace or Zaj or even Pancras from Dragon Quest V, Ness's dad from Earthbound, and a whole list of a bunch of others. So you can see some of these wholesome or unwholesome fellas and how they've contributed to the lives of the players in the game. Over in the reviews department, we had a few things hit the page before E3 went live, so let's check those out. Jonathan Logan got his hands on the action RPG Yakuza Kiwami 2 which he says is a fantastic sequel that basically improves in everything else that Kiwami 1 did. So check out his review of that from uh, Sega of America. Zach Wilkerson got into Compile Heart's latest traditional RPG, Dragonstar Varnir, which is a really lovely looking game. And let's see if it has the uh, gameplay and story to back it all up. Derek Kingsbergen once again graces our pages by diving back into the latest Atelier offering, Atelier Lulua, the Scion of Ireland. Largely he's positive enough on the game. While it doesn't seem to do anything inherently bad, it's also not really shaking up the classic system. So go have a read about what he had to say about Gust's latest traditional RPG. And finally, uh, what update wouldn't be complete without yet another soundtrack review from our beloved Patrick Gann. Patrick has been continuing his uh, exploration of the Psychedelica kind of series soundtrack, so Psychedelica of the Ashen Hawk theme songs and soundtrack were covered by him. And yeah, it just this game has some really neat, rich music. So by all means, go check out what he had to say and check out the soundtracks for yourself. Like I said at the beginning, E3 just happened. So we've got ongoing coverage of E3 2019. You can check out our previews, whatever interviews, news, anything that we kind of gleaned from the show and the presentations. RPG Fan has been covering everything RPG related. So check out the website for more on that. And that aside... Let's get into episode 166, where everyone that was at E3 2019 got in the big room, huddled around the mic, and got to share their enthusiasm and excitement for what went down over in L.A. Hello and welcome to episode 166 of Random Encounter. I had to pause myself there to make sure I said the right R word in front. (laughs) RPG Fans flagship podcast. My name is Mike Solosi and we are recording from an undisclosed location in downtown Los Angeles. um, Hours after the close of E3 2019, Uh, we, all seven of us here, have been busy uh, attending meetings, walking the show floor, writing previews, and you will continue to see those previews. Um, posted on RPGFan.com over the next week or two. But uh, before we get into like more me talking, let's introduce the rest of the panel. Uh, so let's go starting from me, going clockwise around. Let's uh, um, say your name, everyone. Hey, everyone. I'm Alana Higgs, and I am extremely tired, and I'm going to be on a plane in like five hours of recording. So, hi. <laughs> That's the spirit. Hi, I'm Corey Hall, and... Uh... You get to hear my voice for the very first time ever. Woo! Yay! Yay! 
Hi, I'm Zach Wilkerson, and this is my debut on Random. Oh, welcome. Um, this is other Mike, Mike Salvato, and I have no idea the last time I was on this show. Probably a year ago. Yeah, last year. Welcome back. Um, I'm Hilary Andrews. I'm most often on Retro, but happy to be here at E3. Hillary very cutely waved at the mic, but I don't think they listened to see that. <laughs> I usually do that, actually. <laughs> uh, and it is me, Steph Sabello. I've been on a few of retro, some random, and usually I interact with all y'all on social media. Hello. All right. Well, the seven of us have been very busy this E3, yeah. and we're going to take this opportunity to hash out the uh, 2019 RPG Fan Best of E3 Awards. But uh, before we do that, I, I want to pick on our three newcomers a little bit. Uh, Zach, Corey, and Hillary. This was the first E3 for each of you. Um, Steph and I have been to four each. This is Alana's second E3, and Mike has been to more E3s than the rest of the, us combined. Uh, <laughs> but uh, do any of you have a specific surprise or memory or something that you about this E3 that you think is going to stick with you a while? Uh, Corey, I'm going to pick you first, and I'm, I'm guessing it's about Nintendo. You know, you know it is. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, he is wearing a Donkey Kong shirt right now. <laughs> this is so good. I, I am, yes. Uh, probably the thing that will stick with me the most is getting to play demos in Nintendo's uh, special media booth area uh, between Doug Bowser, uh, Kensuke Tanabe, Hisashi Nogami, uh, Omori-san from Pokemon Company, Masuda-san from Pokemon Company. I was just surrounded by every developer that I could have ever looked up to, and it was incredible. There That's was, a lot of names. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, it was definitely a mini in the day. When oh, that was like a media. fraction. That was a fraction. I was yeah. looking around, and my head was spinning. I know names, but I can't pick people out. out. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you definitely came into the media room a couple of times very stark. Yeah. It was very, very yeah. sweet. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and for me, it was uh, it was a Square Enix booth. Uh, just walking in, uh, getting an opportunity to um, just sort of see the um, layout of it, um, see the motorcycle they had outside for Final Fantasy VII, um, and, and just like the experience of um, being around all these people, um, including the six other people in the room, who um, are as excited or more than I am for the thing that I love. Ah. <laughs> so for me, since I've been on staff for a couple of years and I've at least heard conceptually a lot of the process and what goes on when we go to E3. Um, I think just seeing it firsthand was the most surprising thing to me. Like I knew that several companies go all out for their booths, but seeing it was an entirely different matter. I knew that there are lots of developers everywhere and that we interact with them regularly, but actually doing it was surprising. Yeah. Well, thank you, Corey, Zach and Hillary. Uh, I, I'm really, really happy seeing people experience this for the first time because it's a bucket list item for a lot of us people that love video games and love RPGs. And uh, I love it so much that I keep sneaking on to the, the panel to attend it every year for uh, a few in a row. But uh, so I'm glad that both, all three of you seem to have a very uh, nice first E3 that did not involve, um, you know, uh, trips to the emergency room or or other complications yeah. or other complications. As a side first. note, 2019 has probably been one of the. I think we've all agreed that it's been one of the best E3s of recent memory, both personally and kind of the content involved. So yeah. I'm sure we'll dive into the specifics. But yeah, it's just been a blast really having Absolutely. all these new people around and just spending time with y'all as always. Yeah, you picked a really good one to be your first because this is, of the four I've been to, I think this might be my favorite overall. And uh, one reason I think it has been my favorite overall is related to our first award that we're going to discuss today. Uh, most surprising reveal. 
Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> we, 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 have a we have a couple good candidates for uh, for surprising uh, reveal here, but the one that jumped out to me the most was finally getting official localization for Seiken Densetsu 3. <gasps> one, of, one of my favorite video games of all time. I've been an SD3 evangelist on this podcast and others often. And I, when, when we saw the Nintendo Direct and they announced it, I just sort of started laughing because I was so confused. I didn't know how to react. That Nintendo uh -huh. Direct was a complete wild ride, wasn't it? Yeah. It went yeah. from up and up and up and up. And I think in this room, yeah. In this room, oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> the amount of screaming. Yeah. So and and, 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 and were dancing. Just kind of in dancing awe with the SD and crying. Yeah. yeah Life-changing experience. I mean, <laughs> that was like the icing on the cake. And there had been some rumors floating around that I'd been expecting it secretly at Square Enix's conference, the conference the night before. And I thought, oh, okay, no, it's not here. It's not going to be here. And then I think it starts off by seeing the roots of the mana tree, and I just edged off the front of the seat and was ready to stand up. And I stood up for the rest of the conference. I was, I don't know. I've never played Second Densetsu Three. Now called Trials of Mana in mm -hmm. the West. Um, it is also coming to Switch with the collection of mana. So we're getting yeah. Final Fantasy, um, Final Fantasy Adventure. You're yes. mm -hmm. me. Final Fantasy Adventure, Secret of Mana, and this brand new translation of Second Densetsu 3 and today, the, the day the day the conference was, we got it within half a day and you, if you told me that before E3 I would have laughed at you and now I'm going to go home and buy it and play it for a week straight solid so you'll expect a review on the front page from me in the very near future. Yep, and you'd best believe it's been up on someone's switch in this room. I feel like such a moron for deciding not to bring my Switch. It's like, oh, I oh, have yeah. my 3DS, I'll be busy with work, I won't have any time to play Switch stuff. And then the at the Nintendo conference, they revealed the first day, PS4, Seiken Densetsu 3 remake coming out in 2020, but also the official localization of the collection, which was available later that day. Um, uh, like the day of the... Uh, of the direct and also it's going to have a physical version coming in august but anyway so that was the most surprising reveal to me um what else do we have written down here for a possible candidate well a sega person here fantasy star online 2 the six-year-old mmo is coming west not to europe though boo um but they have said they'll clarify it future in the future who expected this like in the microsoft <laughs> showcase yeah exactly i mean I understand yeah. the partnership because mm -hmm. the fantasy style ports have come to GameCube and I think Xbox Live, like Sega brought a lot um, a lot of their Dreamcast stuff to Xbox previously. Um, it's a six-year-old game. Exactly. But, I don't know, like, it's not Fantasy Star Original, but Fantasy Star Online is kind of unique and it's got a bit of a special place in my heart along with a lot of other Dreamcast games. Um, but, yeah, like... I was on the plane when this was announced and I was scrolling through my feed when I was on a layover flight and I just thought, no wait, hang on, no? Fantasy Star? And I had to like go back and check and it was a genuine surprise and I think lots of people were extremely impressed because it's been something we've been begging for for a while now. Do we have any... Oh uh, yeah, we, we do wrote we any, Sorry, do we have any Fantasy Star Online OG players here? Uh, I was. Yeah, right. I used to play a little bit, but it was mostly me watching my brother. J just version one. I never got into like episodes three and four and all that, but... No, I mean it was a it was a great game. I mean this is this one's different. It's an actual MMO, which mm -hmm. is probably why it's lasted six seven years in Japan. But uh, no, I mean we all wrote it off years ago. Yeah, yeah I mean, we were like that. Sega talked about I don't even know when 2013, 2013 2014. Yeah, when it came like they said they were going to bring it out. I think there was even like a small like temporary website. Yeah, it was. And a, it, it never happened. It was a 2013 Vita game, and there was also uh, a couple other Fantasy Star. 
MMO likes on PSP and DS. I know one of them was Fantasy Star Zero, but the, the, yeah. these fans are a very dedicated group, and like everyone knows someone who's excited about this game, even though if it isn't the most mainstream, accessible, big, popular RPG. But I, I think it's another good can, candidate for a surprising reveal. Do we have any other uh, nice surprises that like we didn't know before the previous weekend? Breath of the Wild. <laughs> Oh yeah, Breath of the Wild too. Oh yeah, that kind of came out of nowhere and that was really a huge shocked. announcement. Yeah. yeah, that was out of left field. Yeah, yeah. And, it, and it was like the last thirty seconds yep. of the uh, of the yeah. Nintendo Direct. Yeah, it looks like the a, direction like, of the trailer seemed you know just a lot different compared to what Breath of the Wild offered previously. So it's a lot yeah. more familiar and a yeah. lot darker. Yeah. Well, we were we were all convinced it was DLC. Exactly. Yeah. Because yeah. it's like yeah. they rarely rarely do direct sequels. I think my immediate yeah, this reaction. This is only the second time in the Zelda series that there has yeah. been a direct sequel. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, and even yeah. then there was like a 20 year gap between the sequels yeah. right. my immediate reaction was that it'd be like a Twilight Princess DLC for Breath of the Wild and I thought oh that'd be really cool but no this is the sequel to Breath of the Wild and I thought whoa like another 80 hour game like seriously yeah. I was I was blown away Breath of the Wild is an incredible game we, we, yeah. we, can we, we get Zelda playable please <laughs> we, have a lot of, we have a lot of questions about this game we don't know um we we don't know how much of the world map they're going to reutilize. We don't know any. We don't even have a real title for it. It might not be Breath of the Wild two. Um, I doubt it. Yeah, it'll be. I think it'll be some fancy subtitle. That's those other rules. But uh, but it's it's exciting. And I mean it. I mean again, that Nintendo Direct really hit us hard. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. D surprises. DLC for Smash. Oh, yeah. yeah. So we, we talked about this in the room when they revealed that it was going to be the hero from Dragon Quest XI. We're like, okay, we sort of saw that coming, but then the costumes and skins no, for... I, I remember, costumes? wait, why is he called a hero, not the Luminary? Yeah, 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 I, I, yeah. What, I think it was you or me, Alana. We said, why is it the why is it the hero and not the Luminary? And then we saw the dra the heroes from Dragon Quest three, four, and eight all appear. And, and then the room went insane. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, we were pretty excited by that. Yeah. Definitely. At least I was. Nice, uh, nice surprise. Oh, yeah. It's been rumored for a few weeks, but uh, it was really nice to see the combination of heroes and all the color variants for each hero. Oh, yeah. They have one of their original, so there's eight costumes. Four of them are three, four, seven, three, four, eight, and eleven. But then their ultimate costume matches another Dragon Quest hero's color scheme. So that's pretty cool. Oh, and I didn't the, see that. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. Looks like the final smash is every hero from a Dragon oh. Quest game, and I am so excited. Yeah. <laughs> Um, now I can summon all the Mega Men or all the Dragon Quest heroes. And yeah. a good chunk of the Xenoblade cast as well, because you get Yora, yeah. Ricky, uh, Melia, and Donban. Yeah. It's a good one. Uh, one quick mention for Tales of Arise, which even though leaked before the com like the conference, uh, yeah. that looks like a really interesting direction to take that series. But it's the first new main Tales game we're having in, it'll be three years since Berseria hit um, uh, Japan, so... It looks really different to any other game in the series. It looks like they're going for a more mature, realistic art style. Uh, the combat looks a lot more free. It's way more near automata kind of free action than the kind of stage-based action combat of the other games. But we don't know a lot about it yet. Um, the I backgrounds and environments look incredible. Way yes, better than yes. anything else I've seen in the series for a while. Uh, yeah. I'm really digging the design of the two main characters and... I'm stoked. I mean, as one of the Resident Tales fans on the site, I am there day one sitting in front of the PS4 and yeah, I just can't wait. I've been three years since a new Tales game, Tales of Sperry came out this year, remastered, and I loved it. So I always want more Tales, basically. So I'm here. <laughs> I was also yeah. surprised that that was during the Microsoft press conference. That, mm -hmm. that's, that's not the first, that would not be my first guess of where we would see that. Yeah. But, um, but it, didn't, it wasn't really present at the Namco booth at all. Namco showed a lot of, uh, 
Dragon Ball Z Kakarot, which is an RPG, surprisingly. Yeah. yeah. And also uh, uh, Code Vein, which yeah. was basically what they were showing at Namco. Oh, and in terms of surprises, let's not forget oh, FF8. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. For for a, a few years now, people are like, why are there these nice remasters of Final Fantasy VII and Final Fantasy IX on PC and PS4, but not eight? And I, the reason is they were just waiting to give this this beautiful remaster. Yeah, if you look at some of the side-by-sides of the original and the remaster, oh, it yeah. looks incredible. Ooh, They've done so much work. Yeah. They basically remade the 3D stuff. Yeah. They have noses, everybody. You can see Armand's yeah. nose. Yeah. Squall is uh, Squall's actually the most handsome one there. That meme that's been going around for years is now redundant. Sorry. I'm almost a little sad about that. <laughs> <laughs> Just a little. First, I saw it on Twitter within like half an hour of that reveal. So, right? <laughs> Yes. Those are all nice surprises, but I think, I mean, this is extreme bias here, but I think that trial, uh, Trials of Man is number one. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. We've been begging it for it for yeah. ages. It's 25 years old almost. Those of us who know it's good know it for the wrong reasons. You know? <laughs> it's, it's, so it's we finally of, get to actually throw money at it. Yeah. It's one of those three games that we thought would never get localized. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. Dog Mother 3 when? Yeah. Well, yeah. One, we got one down. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, Mother 3, and we got... Go back on that, I guess. Okay. <laughs> well, maybe if Hero Land sells really well, yeah. they'll be like, oh, people want this kind of game. Yeah, I'm kidding, right? Oh, they really have to do market research to know if people want Mother 3 or not. Right. Sure. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, that's true. That's true. The best kept secret in gaming. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I think that we have Trials of Mana as our most surprising reveal, and for a runner-up, um, uh, Probably Fantasy Star, right? Fantasy Star 2. Just nobody expected that at all, yeah. I think. Out of yeah. everything. We wanted a Tales sequel. We wanted this. We were expecting it. But Fantasy Star Online 2, six years old. Hey, I'm coming out. Yeah, no one. Yeah. <laughs> all right, so I think that's our two. Uh, Trials of Mana and collection and the collection of Mana being localized. And, uh, and and the Trials of Mana remake in 2020. We I don't know if we glossed over that a little bit. <laughs> and uh, Fantasy Star Online 2 as the runner-up. So the next category for E three twenty nine awards is best JRPG, and um, what a stacked year! Yeah, I, I think we said this last year, but this year's ridiculous as well. Yeah, there's several good candidates here, but I mean, <laughs> come on, <laughs> yeah, we know what we all wanted and saw. Final Fantasy seven remake actually delivered. Oh. Yeah. I've, I've been a bit of a skeptic for a while. Um, I played the demo as a recording on the same day. I I was blown away. Yeah. It is absolutely incredible. I from the hair detail, the graphics, the music. You can see Cloud's pores. You can see <laughs> Cloud's facial hair that's blonde. You can see all of it. But yeah, it's just I I I, I don't I, I don't have words really. Basically, I, I mean I've never really been a skeptic, but the the yeah. way the combat works mm-hmm. is totally unique. I can't think of another game that blends action based and turn-based combat, and having also demoed it with Alana. Yeah, it, it feels uh, like it, a, a yeah. much more active version of like Final Fantasy XII. Yeah. Because in Final Fantasy XII, your character's auto-attacking, but when the ATB meter goes up, you can do you know your actual action. But mm-hmm. for this, while the ATB meter builds, you are active as hell. You are running yeah. and dodging and blocking and doing regular combo attacks and yeah. stunning enemies. And while watching your character's ATBs, so you can have them you know cast their spells or do their specials. And now... Uh, and now braver is a regular ability and not a and not a limit, but cross slash is cloud starting limit break, and 
I don't know how I feel about that, but the, the, <laughs> the, the demo felt amazing. It was yeah. really impressive. And um, outside the demo, we've gotten a longer trailer on Monday evening, I think. Yeah, Correct. Sounds right. yes. Yeah, on Monday, that Monday evening, right before E three began, and we saw uh, Cloud, Barrett, and Tifa in action. Yeah. Yay. Yay. Yeah. Plus Biggs, Wedge, and Jesse. Plaintiff and uh, Tifa has a slight redesign with a pleated skirt and a black halter top and suspenders and a white top over that. And she looks great. Oh, and and, and, and stockings. <laughs> yeah, amazing. Yeah. yeah, I just, it's everything. I, it's not even my favorite Final Fantasy, but now, like, I'm, my me and my friends, it's how we bonded. So mm. we're already planning to take the week off of work. It's out on March 20th, 2020 at the moment. So we're not going to be at work that week, and we're going to be drinking wine and playing Final Fantasy VII. I thought it was March 30th. It was 3.30. Maybe. Uh, it's uh, definitely I out thought it was the 3rd. I think it's 3.3, three, three, yeah. Yeah, 3.3, yeah, three, three, okay. All right. yeah. See, we're, we're all wrong. All right, March, okay. 3rd, March 3rd, 2020. Oh, well, there you go, then. It's because yeah. Animal Crossing's out on 20th of March, everyone, and that's when I'm leaving RPG fans. <laughs> <laughs> that's when I will cease to exist as a human. You know, I think we didn't... Well, maybe someone's talked about it. I know we haven't as a group yet. It's, I think the craziest thing about that game is that until like two days ago, we figured it's still like years away. Yeah. I didn't never expect it to be playable here. Yeah, the last we heard of it, it was uh, a um, the uh, whatever the Sony Directs are called. I can't remember. State of State play. Of play. State Thank of play. you very yeah. much. Yeah. Um, like we saw a brief trailer, and they're like more to come in June. And I was thinking, oh, it'll just be another trailer. No, it took up a huge chunk of the whole that was playable, and it's coming out and. And you had to fight hard to get one of those demo passes. You really did. It was ma it was probably the hottest ticket at E3, other other than uh, the very very limited quote behind closed doors uh, Cyberpunk 2077. And the Nintendo booth. Yeah. Oh yeah. And Nintendo had the busiest booth booth overall, probably. Correct. I mean, I mean, Alan and I got there right as it started, and we got we got a ticket pretty quickly, actually. We so yeah. Don't. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny we. We talked a little bit about predictions for the remake um, on a previous episode of Random. I don't think we ever would have predicted the way, the direction they took the battle system. And yeah. we, we just discussed how, you know, people would probably be irritated if it was too active or too passive. And wow, they, they came up with something really interesting. Yeah, yeah, they, they well, tiptoed on that fine line and found it. You probably just, I mean, I expected Kingdom Hearts, basically. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, yes. that that and a little bit of Final Fantasy Fifteen. Yeah, yeah. but, but blending it and letting you actually control all of the characters was not expected. And of, of course, I mean, maybe we glossed over this a little bit, but this is just part one of the Final Fantasy Seven remake, yes. and it takes place, I think, entirely within Midgar. That's uh, yeah, it, yeah. Or and at this point, we don't know. They they've said they don't know how many episodes there will be. Yeah. <laughs> so this is this is an ongoing process. Yeah. But uh, we are going to see the first part of that ongoing series in March. Uh, what else do we think are candidates for best RPG? Uh, I'm sorry, best JRPG of the show. Well, let's go Nintendo and Pokemon Sword and Shield coming out really soon, and we got yes. a little bit of a flavor of it and a playable yep. demo as well. Mm. We got a good Corgi. We got lots of new Pokemon and. Yeah, you you could have just stopped at Good Corgi. <laughs> yeah, I think Sword and Shield looks to be the most ambitious Pokemon game. It's the first console iteration yeah. of the main series. They're doing some really big things with it. We got a new gym leader. We got, yeah, I mean. It, it looks like the gym, it's sort of a, there's the leader battle at the end, but the trial before is, is almost like a more elaborate version of the uh, of the trials in Sun Moon. So yeah. it's, it, these look like the most fully featured gyms in Pokemon history. And the demo, I think, was 
the trial it, uh, leading up to a water type gym leader. Correct. correct? I, I didn't. I didn't play the uh, the demo myself. Yeah, the trial involved moving switches to change the flow of water through pipes to unblock the passage into the gym stadium proper. Yep. Sounds like a JRPG dungeon to me. Yep, exactly. <laughs> but but it was good. Like you. Um, oh yeah. Like we know Pokemon, and we this was good Pokemon. Oh yeah. 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 It delivered. I would absolutely say that. And the Dynamax mechanic was far more interesting than I had given it credit for initially with... Uh, right, uh, and Dynamax is the new feature of Sword Shield where a Pokemon grows to giant size. Like right. like Kaiju. The Kaiju <laughs> yeah. Not just Tyranitar, but any Pokemon can be a, a Kaiju now. So Krukadoyle right. is uh, Godzilla now, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> or you can just have a normal human-sized Flaybebebebe. Right. <laughs> this is the thing. It's going to be funny to see what Wild Lord looks like. <laughs> oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But yeah, oh, Sword and Shield's taken some the series in new directions with familiarity. I think the most the thing I'm most excited about is those open environments where you can <laughs> run around with a free camera yeah, and go yeah. around, catch Pokemon. You can whistle it on my chop and get it very angry. Yeah. And, and <laughs> oh, that was also, great. I've also been signed up to do raids for the Dynamax Pokemon by oh, yeah. someone else on this podcast. Oh, yeah. And I am here for it. Mm -hmm, it's so, happening. You have no say in the matter. <laughs> fine. I can look at that. <laughs> Oh, and, and also, uh, Alana, you and I debuted, uh, debuted, sorry, you and I demoed two very cool-looking JRPGs at, uh, at, at, at Nisa's Center. Yes, we did. Uh, so one the fans want to hear about is Trails of Cold Steel 3. Um, I'm pretty new to the Trails of Cold Steel series, the Trails series in general. You'll hear more about that in the coming months, possibly. <laughs> um, but I really, really dig it. So I'm about a third of the way through Cold Steel 1. Cold Steel 3... Felt like more of the same. Like, like uh, okay, look, we gotta get it out of the way. The, the very beginning of Cold Steel Three is almost exactly like the very beginning right. of Cold Steel One. Of a, a, a teacher leading their class through a mysterious dungeon, one of the women accidentally falling on one of the boys, and then immediately getting into a like anime. I can't believe you did this to me. Kind of <laughs> dumb argument. Yeah, it's. It was a little like eyebrow raising how similar it was, but it, it a lot of the small changes were really really good. Exactly, the battle system's been tuned up, so you can have uh, my previous on RPG fan right now. If you want to go and re uh, read it, uh, but you can equip two master quartz instead of one. Uh, there are new actions, so you can break enemies' gate uh, guards, so they drop more items. You can also use buffs and debuffs on the whole party. Uh, there, uh, there were. Uh... Um, the interface has changed so the, that you can um, yeah. choose menus with the uh, face buttons or the D-pad. So it's very Persona 5 now. And uh, one and one character who fights with Tanfas has a like strike mode and a gun mode which on her weapons. Like, that's probably which my is favorite a, feature. Yeah, yeah. Which, was, uh, which was a really cool... Like, like, basically, it felt exactly like Cold Steel 1 and 2, but uh, with enough changes to make it feel demonstrably better and make me excited to play more. And I think the thing the fans will be more interested in is like the fact that this is Nisa's go at it, and obviously Exceed had one and two. Uh, it feels, it reads, and feels exactly the same. Like I do not think the fans have anything to worry about, and you should be really excited for it because we're getting the game on the twenty seventh of September. Yeah, it's very soon. Yeah, so please look forward to it because I'm really excited to get my hands on this game. So I've got three months to play through Cold Steel 1 and Cold Steel 2 and maybe Trails of the Sky 1, 2, 3 and... Just get them all in there. Yeah, do basically. We, do we have any other Cold Steel players here? Because, I mean, it's only Alana and I talking. I, I played the first two hours. Oh, okay. <laughs> and I intend to finish it soon-ish. Uh, correct. Okay. But, uh, I guess that, that's all. I mean... Uh, I, we know a lot of our audience really likes Cold Steel and this felt like good Cold Steel and I... I 
I mean, we only played it for about twenty or twenty-five minutes, but I th- but I wouldn't say the localization seemed bad. Like it it it, it, it read well. Yeah, it felt like same. Uh, the second game we got to demo at Nisa was Destiny Connect TikTok Travelers, which is a really unique looking game. Um, it was so cute. Oh my god. Yeah, like animation wise, it looks very much like a Western cartoon, uh, which is really unusual for Nipponichi, who are the parent company for Nisa. Um, a lot of their stuff looks very anime, obviously not to stereotype it, but. Like, this one's got big eyes, it's got very cute, soft designs, you can see the stitches in the clothes, the characters are all really charming. It is very much a beginner's RPG, but I think there's a lot there that people will really like, personally. Yeah, it, it felt very wholesome. Like, uh, the, the characters were were uh, children up to innocent mischief. Um, the, the, the story that we only saw at the very beginning is, is sort of a mysterious... Uh, like time stops mysteriously in the world, and we know that time travel between the past and future and present is at least at least part of gameplay. Yeah, definitely. And one of the characters, Isaac, definitely does not look like Robo from Chrono Trigger. Nope, so like, he's he got his inspiration on its sleeve, which is sweet. And I think he definitely that, doesn't look exactly like Robo from Chrono Trigger. <laughs> and your other party member, he's definitely not Jeff from Earthbound because he uses no. like little things, um, rockets and. Two good inspirations, at least. Exactly, yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's hot in the right place, and I think it's going to charm the pants off of yeah. some people. It, it looked very charming and played very clean, but we didn't see a lot of it. So uh, we, we'll continue to cover it as the, as we get more info on it. Can we talk about Grandia? Oh, yeah. I guess we should sneak it in now. But Grandia 1 and 2 remasters are coming to Switch very soon. Uh, we've not got a date on them yet. Uh, they are basically the same games that you played 20 years ago, um, but you know, they're coming to Switch, and I think you should be really excited because they're great games, and nothing would ever change my mind on them, basically. Is that a, a sneaky way of saying that there was maybe some uh, visual issues? Well... I, I actually don't agree with a lot of this. <laughs> okay. I, I, so Grandia 2 is almost an exact um, yeah. like frame-for-frame uh, remaster of the PC port of Grandia 2, and uh, we actually got to talk to the developer yeah, um, right. while we were playing it, and um, he said that they were um, trying to run it at 60 FPS, and I thought that Grandia 2 um, looked like it was running at, at 60 FPS in, in in battle, and I thought that it looked really incredible and yeah. worked really well. Grandia 1 has a little bit more of a facelift, um, where it, it certainly looks... Um, how did you describe it earlier, Alana? Uh, gosh, so Grandia 1 to me looks a little bit balloon, so they seem <laughs> Balloon! To, yeah, so the sprites are... Like they don't balloon look animal sprite-y. versions of the original sprites? No! Kind of! That's a good way of putting it, but I don't know, they just look too smooth. There's nothing... It, I, I thought it looked really colorful and really clean and like yeah, really expressive the colors, personally. The colors pop absolutely, and I think in it, handheld mode, it's not as noticeable. But when you play it on the big screen, there's some kind of sheen to it. It's like they've put an overlay over it, and mm. it just doesn't look 100%. But play it handheld, and it's still the same game. You know, it's it's just I will see what happens. Like they might tidy up a bit more. I, I really like the look of it personally, and you know what? It's Grandia in 16 by nine in my hand. Mm. On a switch, I'm gonna play. You don't have to pinch the Vita screen enough. Yeah, and, yeah, and you you, you can actually like change the camera angle with the right joystick, which is like a godsend because I can't stand changing. Navigating with... in the original, some spaces in the original Grandia yeah. is yeah. is messy to say the least. Yeah. Very much. It, so it, it will help navigation a lot. I, okay. I I personally was was pretty impressed with it. Yeah, for Grandia, it counts as a huge quality of life improvement to be mm. able to. 
navigate around those yeah. camera angles. If listeners will probably take a hint, there's a lot of remakes and remasters this year that we're yeah. really excited for. So yeah. <laughs> well, let's talk about something that isn't a remake or remaster. I mean, as a uh, a child of the '90s who would watch Dragon Ball Z immediately after elementary <laughs> school, like, how's this new Kakarot RPG? Really surprisingly fun, actually. It's like <laughs> very open worldy. It's not like an overworld RPG, but the environments are very open. So you fly around as Goku on the Lucky Cloud. Oh, are you talking about you're flying around on planes with occasional rocks that you can smash enemies into? You can, well, you can smash enemies into rocks, but you can also smash the rocks down yourself. Mm. So you know, uh, it's really fun. <laughs> Dragon Ball Z fans will absolutely adore it because it basically follows the story of Dragon Ball Z. Uh, I don't know to what extent how much because I, it's one of those shows that I watched when I was sick. So, yeah, I think people will have a lot of fun with it if you love the Dragon Ball series. Uh, but the fighting game, the battle sequences are really fun. They're like the fighting games but with stats and yeah, they just think people have a blast with it, really. Well, when you're done, I had one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, so uh, do we have any other JRPGs we uh, we want to discuss before we move on? Hmm. Why, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Did anyone play Dragon Quest Builders 2 besides me? Oh, I really wanted to, but I've been busy this week, so I'm, I'm excited to hear your thoughts, though, because I've never played Builders. Okay. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> I love the logo, how they replaced the sword in Quest with a hammer. That's, that's oh, very cute. That's the a great The thing change. I noticed most in the Nintendo Direct was the fact that you can build slime towers and then you can change the color scheme right? of them. They aren't just red, green, blue slime yeah. towers. You can get some weird magenta slimes in there. I mean, by the time this podcast goes up, I'll have, have, I'll have written an impressions piece, but it's, it's really just, it's a really highly refined version of the first game. The controls are better, the environments are bigger. Thank goodness they changed the controls. Because so much of that first game, you used X or whatever for everything. That was confirmed, it was open the menu, it did not work well at all. Hmm. So, they made the controls a lot better, it's easier to use. You get a glove now to move things around, so you don't actually have to destroy a thing just to move it from here to here. Hmm. So, that's nice. And it has online co-op, so that's awesome too. We're all going to have to build something together. Please. Yeah. I mean, I'm still waiting for some of you to join my Stardew farm. I, I built a cabin like six months ago. It's sitting right there. But, you know, you know no pressure. I have excuses, but this is not the time for them. <laughs> All right. I, I think we get, there are more JRPGs to talk about for me through, but I think we'll be, they'll come up in other categories. Uh, I mean... I didn't play all of the games you talked about just now, but I think FF7 Remake is I the I think here. the sheer impact of it and the oh. presence of it at the show. And to deliver as much as it played so well. I've not heard a single bad thing about because, that demo. Like, I, I was very... Okay, I, I cleared the demo, and it, I cleared it very clumsily, but uh, it, it felt awesome, and I can... like This is a battle system that def definitely has depth and the potential of mastery to it. It, it felt awesome. And it, it, it felt like a updated ATB system from the 90s. I mean, holy crap. When was the last time they did one of those? Okay, FF12, I guess. But uh, yeah, Final Fantasy VII Remake felt incredible. We don't know how extensive and how long and how deep the uh, part one of the game will be when it launches in March. But the over the early impression is overwhelmingly positive. I think I think it wins this. Yeah, Something definitely. I haven't really discussed that I thought was a really nice addition was the return of the stagger feature. I thought that was uh, excellent. Yeah. Yeah. Really, yeah. I think really it nice worked well in 13. Yeah. And yeah. To see it brought back in a better capacity in yeah. 7R is great. Yeah, regular attacks, which you know fit in between your big moves, 
deal a lot of very minor HP damage, but a lot of stagger. And when an enemy is stunned and stagger, I think they take sixty percent more damage. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah. But yeah, it uh, it felt awesome, and it just made me want to play more of it. Uh, but what do we think the runner up is here? We have we have a couple a couple candidates. Pokemon Sword and Shield would definitely be my my choice. I think just delivering great uh, Pokemon in a way that we haven't seen. I mean, I love Sun and Moon, but this just takes everything to a different level, and it's it's they're taking advantage of that hardware. The Switch is just taking it to new places. It's going to be a big game at the end of the year, I think, and I'm excited to dive into another Pokemon region and just have a ton of fun. Like, those new additions are great, and I think they're improving every single time. Who doesn't time. want to, to pet the Yamper? I want to pet the giant Yamper. <laughs> My little hand will probably only touch its like Achilles heel, and it'll still give me a big kiss, and I'll love it. <laughs> yeah, we've been going crazy over various new Pokemon. I mean, if you combine the popularity of Pokemon as a franchise with the uh, popularity and enthusiasm and thirst for more Switch games, this is going to be one of the biggest releases in Nintendo history, I think. I this, think is gonna, so. this is going to be yeah. enormous. I agree. So uh, I think we're settled. Uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake is the best JRPG of our E3 2019 awards with the runner-up Pokemon Sword version, Shield version. Yeah. Uh, but let's go to the other side of the world. We have best Western RPG or best CRPG. Oh. Um, now, only one person in this room got to see it because uh, CD Projekt Red is very exclusive with their appointments. But, uh, Zach, tell us about Cyberpunk 2077. I, I honestly don't know where to start. <laughs> I mean, um, so I, I got to uh, watch a, a live demo of um, Cyberpunk 2077. And, um, I, I mean... There is so much happening on the screen and in the world at any given moment. It, it, it's 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 actually kind of staggering. So as I was watching the live demo, like, I, and I'm the sort of person who does this, but my jaw dropped six times. Um, there there is like, there are so many different ways to approach gameplay in Cyberpunk. The look of it is incredible. The detail of the world is just unbelievable. I it, when it comes out in April, I. I, I think that it's going to turn people on their heads. It, it's an unbelievable start. Um, I, I got to see, um, you know, a lot of conversations where you have a lot of different choices and it impacts different choices that sort of come later in, in the story. Um, and then I went, then I went through a gameplay segment where they actually showed us how you could approach it um, different ways based on the build that you have. So one was a stealth build, and so they showed us, okay, if you have a stealth build, this is how you will go through this area. And then they was like, okay, so you have an intelligence build. This is how you will hack different things and go through this area. If you have an attack build, this is how you can sort of power your way through it. Um, so it looks like the shooting mechanics are excellent. Um, the melee mechanics are excellent. The stealth mechanics are excellent. I, I was absolutely blown away by Cyberpunk. Okay, now I'm a little confused, Zach, because you gave us a very nice detailed run rundown of what you saw, but... Nowhere did you say the words Keanu or Reeves. Oh, <laughs> no! I will tell you that Keanu Reeves did make an appearance at the end of the video, but very briefly. But I did hear recently today, or, or earlier today, that he has the second most voice lines in the game, and it's like 15 days worth of dialogue. Wow. <laughs> Which is unbelievable. So it's the second kind of Keanu Reeves. Wait, we, we, we have to redo that woe to make it sound like Tim oh, yeah. from Bill and Dead's Excellent Adventure. Whoa! <laughs> Honestly, I, 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 saw, I saw Final Fantasy VII Remake right after Cyberpunk, and Final Fantasy VII Remake was incredible, but Cyberpunk 
blew me away. It was uh, it, it's the game of the show for me. Uh, it, it, I I I don't even like Western RPGs that much. I, I, I wish, will buy this day one. That's a lot. <laughs> I, I wish more people had a chance to play it. But um, this was also the case last year. CD Projekt Red had a lot of stuff at E3 and provided a lot of public info about it. But the appointments to see it uh, were very limited, and there was no public demo available. They also gave me a very nice jacket afterwards, which is not why I'm saying nice things about it. Because Death now has it. Yeah. <laughs> I am currently but, wearing it. <laughs> it's a li- it was surprisingly cold this evening in Los Angeles. Oh my god, don't mind me. But, the, uh, but it was hugely impressive. And um, it, how much do we trust that April 2020 date? Wait, just really quickly. If you're going to E3, pack like a jacket. <laughs> Okay, I swear yeah. to God, it Dress- is the coldest room ever. Dreadful weather. Yeah. yeah. I, I trust, I mean, it, it's less than less than a year away. I can't imagine they would delay it much more than that. Yeah. But It's been in, in the works for a while. Yeah. And we know CD Projekt Red knows how to make a good game, and it looks like they're about to do so. Do we have any other Western RPGs that we want to talk about here? Because I, I do have one that I saw an appointment for. Go for it. All right, um... The Outer Worlds by Obsidian Entertainment mm-hmm. looks super good. Um, I don't want to repeat everything that Zach said, but uh, you can approach problems in multiple ways. Uh, you get, different stat builds can, will give you different advantages. Uh, the shooting looked good. The dialogue was was good. This is the you know the same team that did uh, Fallout New Vegas and uh, Pillars of Eternity. Like so, these people can design good quests and write good RPG dialogue. And I felt that watching uh, watching the, the demo that they played for us. But um, what intrigued me, I, I guess, the most was the setting. It was a decidedly not Earth setting. It was a uh, too far away. There's a handful of planets um, sort of on the very outer reaches of human civilization that's gotten very advanced space travel. And But these remote colonies don't really have a working government. They were founded by a series of corporations working together. So there's a corporate council that runs everything. And one of the planets you visit has sort of been abandoned by all the corporations, except one that runs everything there. And so, so it's uh, heavily polluted and only half terraformed, and is uh, and is run by sort of gangsters. And then you have the more, the more sort of rigidly ruled planet that's run by the corporate council itself. So it's a cool setting with good dialogue, but does not seem nearly to be the like technological tour de force that Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven is. <laughs> And um, the the one thing that maybe amused me the most of the demo is that if there's a build that you can do if you have a very low intelligence stat, then you can respond to some uh, answers with a dumb option, which uh, will, which will give you mixed results of success, but are all but are almost always the most <laughs> the most hilarious dialogue choice. So like I, I'm tempted to jump into this thing with uh, with like keep trying to do a low intelligence build the whole time. <laughs> Well, I think Obsidian in particular are known because they, they, their writing is always stellar and top-notch, so it's good to hear that things are looking pretty tied together. They've had some instances where they've written some really amazing games, but they're just not technically or, like, they've not been quite as comprehensive, and I think everything I've seen or heard about the Outer Worlds feels a little bit better. It feels like its own thing, so it's nice to see them branching out and doing something a little bit different. Yeah, it, it's not visually amazing, but you can feel the imagination and the writing is there. So I think this is going to be a good uh, WRPG. My impression is very positive, but my mind was not blown the way that people are, you know, speaking about Cyberpunk 2077 with stars in their eyes. Uh, do we have any other Western RPGs that we saw at the show? Our appointment with Datalook had a couple interesting deliveries on strategy RPG sorts of games. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I 
think there was a, a really great showing. Iron Defense was one that really struck a chord with Hillary. Um, yeah, I, actually, I learned it was Iron Danger. Iron Danger. I'm yes. sorry. No, it's okay. Iron Defense. Um, I don't know why I wrote that then. <laughs> no worry. Iron Danger. Oh, cool. <laughs> yeah, so it's an interesting title because it's set in a sort of fantasy meets steampunk sort of environment, which is neat. So you get the castles, you get a little bit of a medieval filled feel, but there are also robot enemies. Um, and it's, I learned that it's loosely based off of the Kalevala, which is an, a really important Finnish work of literature um, and a big inspiration for Tolkien's. But anyway, the game looks really nice, plays smoothly, and has an extremely interesting mechanic because the main character has time-influencing powers, but they arranged it so that there's a grid of heartbeats at the bottom of the screen, and you can rewind and fast-forward and plan your moves accordingly for your two characters. So it's kind of like a strategy with two characters who can... you can use the time to either have them support each other or to do different things independently. And it's it almost, very... <laughs> it almost made battles like a puzzle rather than yep. just an outright combat, so you really had to plan your moves. But the great thing was if you die, you can always just rewind. You can go back mm -hmm. up to five seconds and you have a great opportunity to just, you know, test yeah. water, you know, mm -hmm. trial and error and find the best way around. Yeah, you've got to pay attention though because your opportunity to change things disappears as you keep doing actions. And if you are not attempting anything, time kind of stops, so you do get that planning time, but after you have a certain window. And it's a really good thing um, because they designed those enemies to be really difficult. <laughs> so they're expecting you to die a lot and, and then go back and fix it. <laughs> yeah, it was really interesting to see. And then the other one is a game where you can be Arachis, Lord of the Underworld. That game looked amazing. The, the character design was awesome. And I think that if you're a fan of Darkest Dungeon, you will really love it. What was, what was the name of the game? Yeah, I think it was called Eratus. Eratus. Yep. Yeah, and it's also the main character's name. Mm -hmm. That's correct. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it was really fun, very heavy on strategy. And you would just build your army of the undead and climb out from the underworld. Yeah, it, it, it's a cute little kind of role reversal from your usual strategy RPG where you're playing a valiant hero. You are basically... A powerful necromantic force and you were contained at one point and you're busting out from the underworld and all of your units are undead and they look amazing. The funniest thing was that to build your your units you actually have to collect body parts oh gosh, and, yeah. and, wow. and brains and things so you can upgrade your <laughs> upgrade your units as you're creating them. You that need brains. Good. Yeah the brains <laughs> the brains are necessary because the developers couldn't stress enough that the undead are very stupid. So they definitely. <laughs> so you have to send out ghouls to harvest brains, and then you can build more powerful undead units. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. With said brains. It almost yeah. sounds like an RTS game, where you're saying it. Like, but, but, but this is a turn based strategy game? It is. A, yeah. It is turn based entirely. Yeah, yeah you your know. units, you have a, four units, and they function in a line, and it's really cool because you do take turns, and. There's each, a... each unit actually can has a specific uh, position on the other side that they can attack. So some mm -hmm. of them can only attack the first position, some can attack second, third, based on the moves and the abilities that they have. So they have certain range. Yeah. 
And a more recent development is they added a little extra layer of strategy to it because you have to combine your unit's powers with Eratus's powers so he can sort of influence the battle too. He can buff He can buff your units. team or he can, he can slam a fist down on the entire opposing team, whatever you need. He has some very powerful moves. All right, so... Uh, so Iron Danger and Aratus, uh, these both sound interesting, and I and I, I think I need to check out some videos of them later because I don't even have a concept of what they look like. But do, do you think that uh, they're gonna match Cyberpunk or Outer Worlds for enthusiasm on our list here? Oh no, I think they're much smaller productions. I don't okay. think they're going to match those, but they're still very uh, well done. Worth, worth checking out. Interesting. Right. Yeah, we're jaw dropping that uh, Cyberpunk seems like <laughs> yeah, right. where you could throw things in people's hands after <laughs> yes. they come out of it. Yeah, yeah basically. Yeah. Well, we yeah. always want to talk about them because like, it's so hard though. Like, we never see it, but like right. Trent was just as enthusiastic last year, and yeah, it, it, it won. It. it won this category last year too, but I don't think we. I don't think we need to see a change at all. Yeah. There, there's there's nothing you're not gonna see them all. Okay, so I think we have a uh, Cyberpunk twenty seven. 2077 as our best VRPG of E3 2019, uh, and uh, The Outer Worlds is the runner-up. So uh, next, we are, are uh, I guess our next sort of game category-based uh, question is uh, best action RPG of the show. Uh, and uh, Corey, I want to pick on you a little bit because uh, I think our, our first or second appointment that we had was over at Sega Atlas, and you, know, you played Judgment. Yeah, but by by the Yakuza team there, yeah. and I, I I didn't play it. I watched you play it, but uh, and I know that the game is about a sort of a lawyer that doesn't play by the rules. But it also had some pretty impressive martial arts. So this is a kung fu lawyer who doesn't play by the rules. He is a kung fu lawyer who does not play by the rules. He's very uh, he's very gritty. He uh, he knows how to get down in a fight. He can he can throw a punch, and uh, he has several stances, so he can change his fighting style. Uh, oh, he's switching he from Mantis to Crane, just like Gen in Street Fighter Alpha. That's so right. You, so you know I'm on board. Yeah, <laughs> it's fantastic, and the presentation is amazing too. It's flashy, yeah. it's quick. Uh, you're throwing guys around just everywhere. The Bodies combat. are flying. Yeah, the combat feels great. And, and, and Corey, I know you're a big Yakuza guy. This felt smoother than Yakuza combat? Oh yeah, I would definitely say so. I mean, Yakuza is rough around the edges because it's more of like a street brawl, but this is someone who obviously knows what they're doing. They know how to how to enter a fight and how to end the fight. <laughs> and uh, we don't need to just speak about combat. Uh, like, but uh, did you, was there anything in the demo you played that wasn't uh, smacking down fools? Like, cause I, I, there's like investigation and, and sort of uh, lawyering phases to this game, right? That's yeah, that's correct. There's actually uh, a little bit in the demo where you have to identify the suspect, so you actually have a photo that will tell you what you're looking for, and they have some uh, identifiable traits, and you basically will find a lineup of a couple of similar-looking fellows, coincidentally uh, hanging out in a, in a close proximity to each other, and find the person that best fits the description. Yeah, and like five. So, yeah. Same. yeah. So you're like a detective and a lawyer and a fighter. So this is like just Kung Fu Perry Mason. Is Absolutely. <laughs> yes, it is. Got it. Uh, one of my favorite parts of the demo was actually being able to trail the suspect and try to practice my stealth. Uh, you have to use any available signs or cars or any sort of uh, outcropped ledge that you can tuck yourself behind as you're you're trailing them through the streets of Kamurocho. And it is the same Kamurocho but updated. So if you've played the Yakuza series, you know the streets of Kamurocho, you know 
everything that you're going to get into. It's so a follow mission that's actually fun. That'd be a change. It is. It is. It's actually a little uh, intense, though. My my heart was beating quite uh, <laughs> quite out of my chest by the time I got to the end. So, what other action RPGs do we think are worth discussing for this category? Well, I'm always happy for more Sakuna, even though I know we gave it two awards last year. <laughs> but it's still it's there again. And it's Ho gorgeous. Hopefully yeah. it comes out Gosh. this year. I know there's, they've still been working on it this whole time. Yeah, I yeah. I, I, it, at one point it did have a spring 2019 release date, but, but that got pushed back. We should probably point out as well, it got its first gameplay demo in the Treehouse at Nintendo, so you should probably look that yeah. up because it yes. demonstrates perfectly the blend of action RPG and farming simulator that it is yeah. like you're a little god who is uh well, you might be interested they said uh when they were inspired by gameplay they said devil may cry yeah i mean uh, oh, wow. steph and i uh interviewed uh the two developers uh, there's only two two people on this yeah, this game was made by two people and it yeah. looks stunning and, and first of all they were like super nice um they were really really nice people and they were really forthcoming in terms of the questions that we asked and it was really awesome to actually see the developers uh play the game while we were talking to them uh, yeah i mean yeah they, they beat it like they beat the demo like six times in the 20 minutes we were in the room um but yeah i mean it looks incredible in motion um i, I think the translation um looked really strong on it as well in terms of the types of uh, uh, the dialogue we were seeing uh, was really strong there as well. So, I mean, um, it, I know we gave it a lot of awards last year, and they, they told us that it's going to come out in winter, which apparently they did last year as well, but I, they said, really, this time. Um, so my, my hope is that we see this soon, but it looks it, it just looks incredible. Yeah, that's cool. I hope I'll finally be able to get to play it sometime. Yeah. Uh, because we, um, we were really impressed with it for... Um, I think E3 2017 and 2018. But uh, I guess we're dancing around it a little bit. I mean, one of the longest lines of the entire E3 was the Link's Awakening remake on Switch oh, at the yeah. Nintendo booth. And uh, a couple of us played that. Um, uh, Steph, you, you were uh, telling me before you were really impressed with the, the sort of the diorama-style uh, visuals that they had ar ar like, uh, around the demo stations. Yeah, it's really cute how they've updated it. Um, you know, so to go from pixels into, indeed, yeah, diorama kind of style. Um, it's, it looks very, very pretty, but I mean, it is basically uh, the Link's Awakening experience done to modern age. It looks beautiful. Um, it plays beautifully. <sighs> I think people who uh, who really like the classic will be most pleasantly surprised to have this kind of an update. It definitely needed it, and I think a lot of us want to see some of uh, Nintendo's old collections kind of make a bit of a comeback, and this is like saying, and how. It's really pretty. Um, waited for three hours and got a lovely 15 minutes out of it. <laughs> oh, yikes. <laughs> Everything hurt, but it was worth it, and I made plenty of friends in the line. <laughs> well, you're, you're good to talk about the visual stuff because, you know... I don't know why it's so common. I don't know why it's so common with with Zelda, but you know, Wind Waker is a good example. But this one, it did get some flack when they first revealed it because everything looks so plastic and I look so cute. Their faces are so emotive, though. It's yeah. 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 And, and it's so vividly colorful. And I yeah. love the fact that they ran away with that on the displays, actually, because the uh, the person there were um, at E three probably people have seen pictures of this online. Um, there are little diorama plastic statue layouts on the floor, and they are basically like toy scenes where people have set up like 
link with chain chomps or link fighting an octorox and things like that. So please go check it out because see RPG fan com on Instagram. Yeah, posted everything. Yeah, absolutely. It's um, advertising. Please yeah. follow us on Twitter and Facebook as well. Um, and you should definitely go and, and check subscribe it out. to all three of our podcasts. <laughs> yes. Um, but they like plastic is a really good word to describe because actually. Link's Awakening does feel like a bit of a toy box. Like, Link is on an island. It's all yeah. very playful. It's all very cute. And, like, I've never played Link's Awakening. It's right at the top of my list of Zelda games to play. And the Link's Awakening remake is coming at the perfect time for me. So, well, I'm I, really excited. I like it. Like, it uses the same kind of, like, um, effect as Octopath. The t- sort of tilt-shift perspective. But I think it's cool, too, because... I think we're, we should be used to the fact by now that they do not stick with one visual style for mm-hmm. Zelda. Yeah. They change it up Absolutely. all the time, so it's like, I yeah. think we might have expected, I don't know, Link Between Worlds, or maybe one of those, but I like that they're doing a totally different look. Yeah, it's Again. Yeah. to the originals. Well, it, it is, looks, yeah. but, it's, but it's unique. Yeah. 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 It, it does sort of, I do think it fits with that early sort of like gaming system kind of aesthetic in a way, and it fits with the theme of dreams and maybe not quite reality in Link's Awakening. And it, as someone who played with it for a little bit, it looks good in action. It doesn't look stiff or plastic or clay. It's been a while to see how beautifully adapted our Game Boy game has been. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Nintendo yeah. would never like, like if you want to go really deep to it, Nintendo games are stylized a particular way like, and so Link's Awakening is... And, and also we got al- almost a little bit of a taste of a Zelda maker because you can... Uh, use yes. use rooms from dungeons you've already beaten to Frankenstein together a dungeon a Zelda dungeon I of your own making. Like you see it's... how uh, like from Final Fantasy VII to the Final Fantasy VII remake, how much has changed. But it's actually interesting to see quite the opposite is how faithful uh, Link's Awakening actually is to its Game Boy counterpart, but still remaining incredibly fresh and incredibly polished to the Nintendo Switch's capabilities. Yeah. I would also add that they've they've brought in a lot of quality of life upgrades yeah. that I really yeah, yeah, they're yeah. subtle but they're they're something they're you'll right really the modelers with the aiming right yes yeah. also yeah. we know that we know they're going to add a few things at least because the trailer even showed um, Link using magic bottles or fairy bottles which were not in the not original in the yeah. I actually, like I'm, I'm just trying to think of it now like you know in terms of that whole model look I'm just trying to think of how that kind of works but. Uh, like, I guess because the Game Boy is such a small system, and you kind of see just how small the Link's Awakening world kind of is. Mm-hmm. Um, when is, it is brought into very HD. Neat, it, everything is very neatly fit box to box. Like Yeah, <laughs> it's a perfectly seamless world, so I do like that. You're not kind of, you know, hovering screen to screen like that anymore. Mm-hmm. And you'll have, uh, more, and you'll have like, more than two actionable buttons, too. Yeah. yeah. And they are assignable, which is yeah. which is really helpful. And yeah, they, bottles, they, just, yeah. they did that in, Link's, in Link Between Worlds, and it was mm-hmm. awesome yeah. how you could customize it. We, you know, it's this is the last thing I'll say about the visuals because we have more important things to talk yeah, about. But sorry. I think no, no. I mean, I started it, <laughs> but I think part of what works too is, you know, this is gonna date me a little bit, but it sort of has the feel of some of the games of that era of the '90s. Like Earthbound's a good example. Mm-hmm. Like there, there were a lot of games back then. The Super Nintendo, maybe Donkey Kong Country. They had that kind of like Ooh, rendered yeah. plastic yeah, look. Yeah, there yeah. were games with the clay. Artwork. I don't know. It like it, that actually makes it feel more like, hey, but, yeah, this is a '90s game. Yeah, early I know, '90s. I know, like from Buzz on the Street is like people want an Earthbound game that almost looks like this. I want that. Yeah, oh, I, I would kill for that. Oh, yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> Straight from Mike Salvato. This is the Clay Fighter of the Zelda series. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyway, um, so there was a lot of enthusiasm around the Link's Awakening remake. Again, it was one of the biggest lines uh, of the whole show. 
Um, and, and Steph, poor Steph had to stand in it for three plus hours. But, I got uh, my keychain. <laughs> <laughs> there were a couple other cool action my RPGs there. My bladder destroyed. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, um, I Thanks, saw. Uh, I, I saw a demo and trailer for uh, a, a, a couple um, Idea Factory games. Uh, Arc of Alchemist looked really cute, and I was pretty impressed by it. And uh, I've also played the demo of Super Neptunia RPG, which I was less impressed by. Uh, but Idea Factory has something like five or six games coming out in the next 12 months that, that they showed us, and most of them were action RPGs. Um, but I don't know if I want to go into that much, because, I mean, it really looks like it's Link's Awakening and Judgment here are, are, the, are the two that impress us the most. And, uh, uh, Corey, you're the only one that played both. Which one do you think wins? I absolutely have to give it to Link's Awakening. Absolutely. All right. Which says a lot, since we know you like Judgment. Yeah, yeah we, you we all be Judgment is good. Well, yeah. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm battling with my two children here, so. <laughs> two very different children. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So. But yeah. I, don't, I don't know. I think that, you know, Marin from that town has some kung fu moves up over <laughs> Also, Judgment will be almost available by the time the podcast get, um, is yeah. out. So, yeah, you know, you can if, pick it up and try it out for yourself. Is, is, it, is it later this month? Uh, June 25th. 25th. Oh, so, nice. it's a couple of days yep. after this is live. Uh, so, we are very excited to talk about it. We have Absolutely. Fun doing it as Absolutely well. so check it out. It looks Please check amazing. the front page when it's all done. Speaking of mixing, like, lawyering judgment with uh, Link's Awakening, did you notice how many people were trying to steal from the shop when we were demoing Link's Awakening? Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was apparently a very common thing. Yes. I, I heard that from several employees oh. at the booth, yeah. And it didn't go well for them? No. no. So we say Zelda fans are morally corrupt? Or... <laughs> I mean, we, we well, have I mean, a track record of breaking pots. Yeah. yeah. And and causing all kinds of... Uh, my yeah, of, of lawn damage, I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so it looks like Link's Awakening is our winner for best action RPG of E3 2019 with Judgment as the runner-up. Okay, so that was Best Action RPG, and now our next category is Best Sleeper Hit. And uh, this, for this, it's um, games that were under the radar or not heavily marketed or you know indie titles that don't easily fit into one of those um, JRPG, Western RPG, Action RPG categories. And uh, one that I think was we mentioned earlier is something that I didn't get to see or play, uh, Hero Land. Um, Zach, you played that one, didn't you? I did, um, and uh, probably at this point there's a, there's a preview up for it, but it um, sort of has like a an all-star roster of uh, people working on it. You have people from the Mana series working on it. The same person who did art for Mother 3 is working on it. Um, the guy who composed some early uh, Megami Tensei uh, titles. Um, basically, the premise is... That you are, um, you, you play as a tour guide who is uh, sort of like walking people through this RPG themed uh, park, and um, we, we didn't. Uh, we, I think we were early in the demo or early in the game in the demo, but we were, uh, you know, sort of helping this group that was led by this prince who was recently demoted from being first in line to the throne to 18th in line from the throne. And uh, some of the characters uh, start uh, referring to him as just 18 later on. Uh, But the the dialogue was really clever, and um, the battle system was really unique. Um, You you just sort of assist your party members and give them direction occasionally as they're going on. So it was a little bit Final Fantasy XII, but also a little bit um, just like uh, purely ATB turn-based. Um, but but the dialogue was great. It was really funny. Um, the, the pun game was totally on point. Um, and the art style was amazing. I actually, I, I played this with Steph, too. She, I think she was the one driving the ship most of the time. Um, Steph, what did you think of it? 
so wacky. Like, I just love how much fun it is willing to have within itself. It doesn't take any part of itself at all seriously. Um, so, yeah, like, um, like Zach was already saying, is that, like, a lot of the characters are just totally offbeat. Uh, Prince named 18, who thinks that he's at a theme park, but for real. Uh, you play as a, as a, as a kid who plays a tour guide, uh, and he's got a teal afro. Um, all of the NPCs are otters, and there's one otter who matters more. His name is like Otterson or something like yeah, that, or right, Otterman. Yeah, oh, yeah and Otterman. Really, yeah, and um, he's just slightly special, and y you sort of play this between, you know, kind of fantasy and make believe, and you don't really, really know what's what's going on. Yeah, I, I really, I really like that. Uh, it definitely has mother, you know, mother and Earthbound's totally offbeat humor. So you know, if you're a big yeah. fan of Earthbound, then I, I think this will totally appeal to you. Yeah, yeah. the pedigree behind the game is amazing. Yeah. I think yeah. when you were describing it to me, we both went over those like Mega Man lamps that you can get the pixel style. And that is exactly yeah. all the graphics look like, and yeah. I really, really dig it. Yeah, yeah. it looks like like cut out pixelated characters. Yeah, yeah. they look great. Footy yeah. is like for like I, I know they seem to have a bit of a, a mixed track record, but I mean they really deliver really interesting titles to you, whether you like them. Or not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we have a couple other candidates for best sleeper hit. The one that I played personally that I was pretty entranced by, which will be a surprise to no one that knows me, is uh, is the John Wick strategy game, John Wick Hex, which I think comes out next year. But like, remarkably, I mean, John Wick is, is a film series with a lot of gunplay, a lot of action. You would think if it had a game adaptation, it would be full of it would be a, a shooter or an action game. But no, this is a strategy game, where, like, as you take actions on like an isometric board that's guided by sort of dots organized in hexes, you you move, shoot, crouch, a bunch of basic actions that all take specific amounts of time. And whenever you take an action, everyone around you also takes an action. So, totally turn based. Uh, and as John Wick, you're you know, shooting and and striking. Uh, thugs for some unspecific mission that didn't really have story cutscenes built around built around it yet. But as every time you do a mission, you can see you can use a replay feature to watch it play Ooh. out in action in real time That's afterwards. Cool. And it is really cool. It was very satisfying. The level that Steph and I saw was pretty simplistic, but it made me definitely want to play more of it. And it's uh, developed by Mike Bithell Games, the same people that did Thomas Was Alone and a couple other really interesting indie titles. So I'm already thinking this is a prequel to the film series? It takes place before John Wick, before the first John Wick movie. So this is real John Wick lore we're diving into here. <laughs> yeah. I am all for it with that TV series that's rumored and the newest film recently out. I'm, yeah, I'm digging this. I am into the John Wick expanded universe. I liked when we talked about this earlier and got our preliminary ideas together. I think you're the one that said it, Mike. That it's it's weird that we're talking about something related to John Wick as a sleeper hit, considering how <laughs> yeah, popular the movies are. Like, John Wick 3 blew up as soon as... No, but, like, movie-based movie, movie -based games always have a really bad rap, and this yeah. is actually, you know, and this is not, like, your typical run-and-gun shooter. This is actually something with a pretty inspired concept. I, I was really impressed with John Wick Hex, but we don't know any story stuff about it yet. Um, it's definitely a strategy game. I'm not sure if it's a strategy or RPG, but I will be writing a preview for it probably this weekend. But uh, what else do you think is a candidate for sleeper hit here? There's something I really want to hear about, which I saw on Twitter, which I know a couple of people here. Uh, Chris Tales, which yes. looks absolutely beautiful. Please go ahead and tell me. So it's it's gorgeous. Um, it's an interesting genre-blending sort of concept. Basically, it's taken some inspiration from a lot of classic like SNES era RPGs, 
Um, they mentioned Super Mario RPG, and they mentioned Chrono Trigger, and blended, they kind of took discrete elements from those and blended them into something completely new and unique and visually really gorgeous. It's definitely got a distinctive and beautiful visual style. Um, and the gameplay is an interesting mix of sort of graphic adventure and RPG. It's a little wild to describe it. Yeah, it um, is. So, so to put really briefly, and I hope you can visualize along with this, um, so obviously the game takes place in the present, uh, but one of the big mechanics is that the screen sort of splits into thirds, and, and off to the, to the left side you see the past, and off to the right side you can actually see into the future. And essentially, your character will actually move around, and the screen moves with it, and you kind of see how the how the past and the future are kind of existing in the same plane. So you'll see a child in the past, you can see them as an adult in the present, and see them as an older person in the future. Um, and in some cases, yeah, if you see an older person in the present, you will see they're gone in the future. Um, but it actually works, you know, like, one of the big conceits I like about this is that while Chrono Trigger's time-traveling mechanics kind of stop where, you know, you're just kind of traveling between ages, this one actually makes the gameplay a very key part of it. So one of the big, big uh, issues they show is uh, a, a very important apothecary is gone in the future that, you know, of course people will need. So what you do is you give them the item that'll kind of help fix them in the past so that they can live in the future. Uh, but along with that is that you might be, you know, you might be kind of screwing over somebody else uh, in the meanwhile. Or, yeah, they said decisions were going to be a huge part of it because you only... There are two buildings in the village that are going to be a problem yeah. in the future, and you only have enough resources to save one. So you actually have to decide and offer the solution to the person that you're choosing. Yes. And, and um, it, so that creates kind of an interesting story beat where there's this young lady, Christabel, who is learning to be a time mage and kind of yeah. learning that she has to make these decisions. With her, with the help of her magical frog, Mattias, who, <laughs> who will also leap time and who becomes a tadpole in the past and a very old frog in the future. <laughs> yeah, he's the one who can age you by actually doing the travel and he's either a tadpole or like a puffy, yeah, really adorable <laughs> old elf. Oh, okay, I'm sold. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know what the frog thing is. Um, the, the combat, similarly though, also kind of takes these, these novel ideas with it. So um, the big boss at the end of the demo is these two, you know, kind of uh, fiery sisters with, you know, metal, giant metal shields and they're very hard to attack. So what you do is, of course, you know, because they, they shoot fire, what you do is you shoot a water spell at them, which sort of, you know, which sort of uh, weakens your shield because it starts turning, because it, you know, because they're all fire, right? But then what you do is uh, Christabel, you know, can, can kind of shoot her power to make them go into the future so their shields completely rust and you can finally attack them and deal critical damage. And depending on the allies that you have with you, you can combine time and, like, the elemental... Time and space, they said, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's absolutely crazy. So, yeah, fans of Chrono Trigger, I mean, this is an absolute must because it really plays within its time time and space concept. Uh, but also, too, the visual style is an absolute perfect and gorgeous hybrid of, like, you know, sort of cutesy anime visuals and uh, something you'd see out of a Disney movie. Yeah, they weren't... A lot of the team that made this is from Colombia, so there are some kind of Colombian influences and some Disney. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, just to sum things up, it was really interesting talking to them because they, they talked about really wanting to make a game that represented their culture and... They succeeded. <laughs> yeah.
This seems like a fascinating and confusing time travel Gabriel Garcia Marquez yep. RPG. End of 100 Years of Solitude, right? <laughs> yes. Seeing all of the different periods <laughs> yeah. of time at once. Yeah. If you look at the screenshots, you'll, you'll, find, you'll be able to make sense <laughs> of them, I think. Yeah. But it was great. A very old man with enormous time travel ambitions. Stop. Okay, um... I mean, I, I, we, I think those are three pretty good candidates for sleeper hit. Do we have anything else that we think, like, rates at all? Because I mean, right now it seems like the one with the most enthusiasm behind it is Chris, is Chris Tales. Yeah, that one wins for me. Mm -hmm. That's probably yeah. the one I was most surprised about. Yeah, sure, fine. Everybody yeah. can love Cyberpunk and Final Fantasy VII. No, I'm not bitter. I didn't see either of those. Mm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you got jacket, though. <laughs> um, but no, it is so fascinating. <laughs> So I think uh, Chris Sales wins the sleeper hit category. Hero Land places second, and uh, just I'll go to sleep weeping that John Wick didn't get any more shine, <laughs> even in the year of Keanu Reeves. Don't win them all. Well, Bill had three next year, so don't worry. But uh, all right, so that that was a uh, best sleeper hit at E3 2019. Um, next, we are going to wind time back a little bit to just before E3 proper began and discuss the best showcase. So we watched showcase events for Microsoft, Bethesda, Square Enix, Nintendo, and did, did, was there another one? Did like Ubisoft have? Whatever. Ubisoft Is there any one, doubt? It wasn't very remarkable. Yeah, we had Microsoft one, and EA did a live uh, stream, yeah. and also we had uh, uh, Devolver, the usual, Devolver. Uh, Devolver Digital, right. Correct. Yeah, but is there any doubt who won? I mean... Nintendo it, brought the heat. Jeez, yeah, I don't oh, think I've ever stood up for an entire presentation. <laughs> yeah. I, wasn't, I wasn't like in a crowd for all my. We were all witnesses. The first minute was the uh, the Dragon Quest Hero announced for Super Smash Brothers Ultimate, which we mentioned earlier, and then the last two minutes were uh, capping off with the Banjo Kazooie reveal for oh, Smash Ultimate, God. and then the and then the teaser for the sequel to Breath of the Wild. So like they they started strong and ended strong and in between, uh, they kept it strong. <laughs> yeah, well, in, in between it was also strong, but it was, you know it, like there was ups and downs. I mean, I lost my damn mind for the Trials of Mana reveal, and uh, there was a, a pretty extensive um, Fire Emblem Three Houses trailer, and we saw more of a uh, of a Link's Awakening, and oh, there's a little thing called Animal Crossing, oh! New Horizons. Yeah. yeah, which is on my horizon. It's yep. going to be everything <laughs> in the future. Yeah, Corey and I lost it a little bit. Corey and I were dancing. Yeah, great. It's good times, everyone. Yes, it's the happiest I've seen two people in some time. <laughs> <laughs> there was a lot to love in the Nintendo. The cadence showcase. of Hyrule, also that yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. the release date for that. We the which, as of recording, is available. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was. Um, uh, that cadence of Hyrule was available only a few days after the Nintendo Direct itself. Uh, and so it's definitely available now, listener. But, oh shoot, but yeah, there was just so much to be excited for at the Nintendo Showcase. I, I think it definitely wins there this. There was nothing that didn't interest me in that direct at all, and I can't say that about any other conference in the last couple of years, really. Like, I was oh, like, up and down. Shoot, not to go back, but for Sleeper Hit, I love Boyfriend Dungeon. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, just to yeah. quickly say, it's actually a pretty unique concept and surprisingly mature dating sim, where it's, like, people been... are adults and you're not, like, trying to date high schoolers, which is, like, most of the dating yeah. sims. Yeah. yeah. You ever been, like, playing an RPG and you have a nice sword, like, a nice diamond sword or something, you're getting sort of attached to, yeah. and then you just want to, you know... Take that sword home and show it a good time. Ice cream. I mean, you know, <laughs> I, I really like Kane's Lance personally. Uh, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, this is a, uh, a dungeon crawler game where you date your weapons outside of the dungeon. Yeah, and uh, you know, Steph and I demoed it, and the combat, um, so it's a dungeon crawler as well as being a dating sim, and when you're going through dungeons, um, first of all, the combat is really snappy and really uh, intuitive, uh, but it doesn't seem overly simple, but as you're dungeon crawling, you can actually take your weapons on dates while you're dungeon crawling, so we were going oh, through a, so going through a mall, <laughs> and uh, we took our, our, our dagger, I believe, on a date to... She was a pretty arc. dagger. Yeah, she was a pretty dagger. That sounds lovely. Uh, it, it actually was. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then we took our, our dagger on a date to the arcade. And when you go on dates, um, I think there are a lot of choices in terms of the dialogue um, when you're, you know, either going on like an official date where we took, you know, our, our sword out to the dance club, um, where it'll improve their, their stats. Um, and, and, and how well you do on the dates sort of improves your stats. But the, the, the choices and the thing that was sort of amazing about it to me was the dialogue choices actually seemed like actual dialogue choices that I might make while I'm on a date now. Mm -hmm. I'm not very good at dating, but... Um, so, so the dialogue was maybe at an elevated level for your basic dating sim? Yeah, I, and again, you're, you're dating, you're going on dates, and, and to be fair, the, the weapons are, act, you know, they turn into humans when you go on on dates with them. Um, but they... Specifically, it is not humans turning into blades, it is blades turning into humans. Right. <laughs> uh, but, the, but they are even animated like adults, and it, it was surprisingly mature, um, both in like sort of the way that it presented gender... Um, and you're, you're like dating, you know, you know, multiple different uh, types of people, and I really you date male or female, it, right. it treats it all the same. It's right. really nice. Yeah, uh, yeah I, I really was surprised. It was the first thing I demoed at E3, and for my first E3, I was like, whoa, um, it, 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 it's a fun maybe game. Maybe you should have made this whole game a showcase. Yeah, <laughs> I enjoyed it. But uh, do you think it rates above? Chris Tales or Heroland, though? I, I liked, I, I, I demoed Heroland, and I liked Heroland a little bit more, okay. and, I, and I think Steph liked Chris Tales more. Yeah. All right. <laughs> okay, so that, that was, uh, what was it called again? Boyfriend Dungeon. Okay, Boyfriend Dungeon. Oh, right. Okay, that was Boyfriend Dungeon. Uh, but we should go back to the showcase discussion now. Um, I, I think we're unanimous in that Nintendo was the strongest showcase this oh. year. Uh, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, they, they won it before the last, last thing. And, you know, what I liked about it, and, you know, obviously you guys know that I, I like Apple stuff, but, you know, Apple's pretty well known for their, the way they do their presentations. And a lot of times there's a lot of, there's a lot of hype for, like, the last thing. They don't always do it. Certain things they save for the end and people wait for, the, like, it literally comes up on the screen and says one more thing. Yeah. And, um, and then you're biting your lip and you're clenching, yeah. clenching your and, fist and you're like, what could it be? And and Nintendo like screwed with it here because when they they opened with Smash and they closed with another Smash reveal, you're like you're pretty convinced like oh that was okay. their last thing. Yeah. So doing another thing on top of that was really unexpected. Yeah, a second Smash reveal was a surprise, and then the Zelda teaser at the end was also a surprise. Yeah. They, mm -hmm. they, no, they, they, if you've been listening to the internet buzzwords, Banjo was like a shoe in. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yes, of course. And that wholesome shot of uh, of DK Diddy and uh, K. Krull all hanging out. Yes. It was a parody of the King K. Rool reveal where they uh, where he smashes D to Diddy Day out of the way. Yeah. Just, this time you got to finally see that Duck Hunt dog get yes. you. Yes. That's just some <laughs> lovely dog. reference yeah. to Rareware's entire history with Nintendo and developing the Dungeon Kong Country Banjo Kazooie raring to go. Yeah, exactly. Mm. <laughs> At this so, point, though, I don't believe anything until it's true. Like, it might have... He might have... Banjo might have been a Banjo Kazooie might have been a shoe in 
but ever since Rayman with the Wii U version of Smash, I don't believe any oh, rumors until yeah. I see it in action. Yeah, yeah, Banjo and the Hero from Dragon Quest were both rumored, and um, and even though the rumors came true, I thought that the way they presented both of them was really, really clever, and I'm excited yeah. for to play with both characters. Yeah. Because now that there's Dragon Quest and Persona in uh, in Smash Brothers, I have to get this stupid <laughs> character pass uh, now, <laughs> yeah. which which I don't our season pass, which I do not have, but. I mean, I think the the harder question will be the runner-up for Showcase. Uh, I thought Microsoft was all right. They had a couple neat surprises. Yeah, we uh, had PSO, we, too. Was, yeah, we've come to nice Star Online. They had Tales of Arise. They also had, um, gosh, yeah, lots of other games. That's if you like if you like Halo, they had some Halo for you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Elden Ring. Elden Ring as right, well, yeah. which is the uh, FromSoft George R. R. It's, it's hard thing. to get excited about a CG trailer, and I'm yeah. glad people seem to react in suit to that. I am curious about it, though, because they've advertised that there was an interview, I can't remember what publication it was, that them, Hideki Miyazaki said that it was more action RPG than Dark Souls, so I'm wondering how, okay. like, close to the kind of, I don't know... For example, I, I keep going back to Neil Osmaster as the action RPG benchmark. It's like, a great game. Yeah, like yeah. just how close, how much faster is it going to be than Dark Souls, basically? I mean, it is a Dark Souls like, but yeah. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure they're not going to finish the game <laughs> because George R. Martin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he only consulted, he's not writing the scenario. Uh, I, yeah, I still don't know. Which means we yeah. will see it. <laughs> yeah. No, I'll be interested to see anyway. Um, but yeah, Microsoft was alright, but um, Square Enix, after last year's yeah. disappointment, Square Enix really pulled it out of the bag, I yeah. thought. Um, yeah. even, so they had the FF7 remake for a good 20 minutes of it, I think. Yeah. That's where we actually forget, but we actually learned a lot about Final Fantasy VII. It, if you're worried about the JRPG dying, I mean, it, no doubt Final Fantasy VII was the biggest thing at that place. Yeah, exactly. Three, absolutely, they yeah. have the FF8 remaster as well. Uh, they Dragon have the, Qu the Final Fantasy XIV challenge, yeah, too, which is always a yearly Oh, we'll tradition. talk about Final Fantasy XIV, okay. I promise. But, <laughs> uh, yeah, we also had Dragon Quest XI, Switch, and... Uh, oh, shoot, there was a... Well, oh, oh, and, and, and a huge Avengers reveal. They're doing an Avengers right. action game yeah. developed by the... Uh, uh, by the Crystal two, Dynamics. Yeah, Crystal Dynamics, yeah. who've made several Tomb Raider games over the years. And uh, and that game is not an RPG, but we uh, but it looked pretty. It looked like a really you know shiny AAA action game. It was just a yeah. really clean conference without any fluff like right. last year. There wasn't yeah, anything yeah. that we like. They advertised stuff that was already out last year, or stuff that had been advertised in previous. Like we'd seen the same Kingdom Hearts three trailer three times. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, they did show the Kingdom Hearts three DLC trailer too. Yeah, we got the Kingdom Hearts DLC yeah. trailer, which seems that Lux had, oh sorry, Luke Sword will be like. Get right know, along. Got some uh, real. <laughs> Real interesting backstory to him there, so uh, yeah, that's going to be fun as well. So it's been a, it's been a really good show for Square Enix. I think they really need to boost off. Yeah, last I, I do not recommend putting the Bethesda conference in the second place spot. <laughs> no, um, unless you really, really like Doom and Wolfenstein uh, and think Deathloop looks cool, that's fine. But. I like Fallout 76, right? They, 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 right? they try to get us excited about adding characters to Fallout 76 where there weren't any before. Too little, too late. <laughs> The, uh, the one last thing we didn't cover from Square, because it's like, I think as close as Square gets to a sleeper hit, even though it's a major series in Japan, is they're bringing out two Saga games. Yeah. Oh, that's oh, right, yeah. yeah. Right. Oh, yes. that's what we forgot, so yeah. Saga Skull at Grace and the Romantic Saga 3. Yeah. Crystal Chronicles is still alive, oh, and yes. you, yeah. you don't yeah. have to have four Game Boy Advances and four <laughs> Link Cables this time. Yeah, you know, talk about quality of life improvement. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, and, and Oninaki looks... Uh, yeah, pretty awesome. Oh, yeah. The look of it's gonna be a Tokyo RPG Factory sort of dropped the ball in the last few games. 
at least for me. But mm -hmm. Orinaki, I, I'm I'm there for it. Me too. Yeah, it looks really really good actually. I'll say that's yeah. cool. I just like they're learning from the mistakes. I think so. I hope so. All right, so I think that we're basically settled here. Nintendo had the best showcase of E3 2019, and Square Enix had the second best uh, as uh, per RPG fans awards. And now the next category, a category that most of our audience is not interested in, but the two mics have a lot to say. The <laughs> final, the Memorial Final Fantasy XIV Award for Excellence in MMORPGs. Um, Mike, I think this one has to go to FF14 Shadowbringer. I was going to give it to PSO. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> I mean, PSO is a big compromise. Sport. We give it to ESO. Who? <laughs> Elder, Elder Scrolls Online. Online. Oh. I know. I know. <laughs> not even funny. Uh, not even funny. No, 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 no. Okay, I'm no. sorry. My mind was elsewhere. Elder Scrolls Online. Oh, it's not. Oh. It's not, it's not. oh. <laughs> All right. Show's over. <laughs> I can't talk well, that. Uh, uh, Square. We mentioned this a minute ago, but Square Enix did have a Final Fantasy XIV Shadowbringers demo at the show where uh, groups of eight could try and beat the Titania trial battle. Uh, Mike, I, I tried once and you tried three times, and we all failed. I didn't fail. <laughs> My group failed. <laughs> um, no, no, no. I mean, I it's a, a, it's a, collect it's a collective a effort. No, like we, a bunch of us tried. I mean, we heard people cheering in there when they won, and there was definitely more people walking out of there not cheering. Oh, yeah. no, no, no. I, I mean, I only saw one I did not one. see many people wearing the shirts this year. No. It was a mechanically uh, elaborate fight. Allegedly, yeah. they were just giving out the shirts at the end, because, yeah, they had so many extras. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, oh, I... Now I know where I should have been at the end of the in, day. Yeah. Any hardcore raider listening to this, Scott is going to listen to this, and you will disagree with me, but I... I I've at least played up to where 14 is now currently. I would rank, even though that's a story battle, I think it's on par with like some of the regular raids in the game now. Like in terms of complexity, it's it's definitely a step above what a lot of people are used to if you're not totally um, caught up on the game. The final story mission of 4.0, I believe, is called Royal Menagerie, and it was and it was famously difficult for a story mission. Do you think this is at the level or, or easier or harder than Menagerie? Hmm... Some there are a couple parts I would maybe say it's on on that level, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I thought it was a, a mechanically interesting, but still pretty elaborate. There's like there's like ten steps you have to think uh, think through for this ten to fifteen minute boss battle, uh, with multiple times where you know you, you know there's healer checks and DPS checks. For, uh, the, the, uh, one question that we asked Na uh, Naoki Yoshida when we interviewed him uh, earlier today was about the uh, how. The role of the healer is a little bit different for Shadowbringers, and I think we saw that a little bit in this fight because there were some moments where the healers had to be on point, or the battle was over. Yeah, yeah. almost every time we lost. And, that uh, and, uh, yeah. and as a nor as a non-healer for Final Fantasy XIV, I see that kind of stressful situation to make me even less interested in playing healers. <laughs> uh, I mostly play either tank or melee, and uh, I was, you know, I was again a very mediocre monk when I was trying to um, to uh, pass this trial. But yeah, Titania. Really cool boss fight. Uh, most people did not win <laughs> at E3 here. Uh, but we, we also, we did talk to Yoshida earlier. He had a lot of interesting things to say to our questions. Our, our interview piece should be um, up either, if it isn't already up, it should be up very soon in RPG Fan. So if you want to hear uh, the, what we had to um, ask Yoshida-san or Yoshi P, uh, please check the um, feature section of the RPGFan.com main page. But uh, I mean, 
the, the other most exciting MMO news we heard at the conference was the announcement of Fantasy Star Online 2, right? Yeah. I, I don't, I, un, unless you're very invested in something like Elder Scrolls or Black Desert and excited to hear the news uh, about those, I mean, it's FF14 and then PSO2. Yeah. I mean, at, you know, at the show, 14, we had the battle challenge, but we also got a new trailer mm-hmm. that shows yeah. more, more of the story. And it, it's. Yeah, that was going to drop at the end of that trailer as yeah. well. It's a, a, yeah, I mean, in terms of what they're doing with the story, it's pretty ambitious. It, it's it's definitely way more than they've done before. It involves primals, which are a big part of the Final Fantasy XIV yeah. story. And if you don't know what this means, I get it, but it's it, it, it's you know it, it had the Final Fantasy XIV Internet Spaces a buzz, let's say. Yeah. Well, one one thing I'll, I'll mention from the the interview is, you know, one thing we've always a lot of us who played said that when the first expansion came out, when Heavensward came out, it was a big shift in the game because with the Rome Reborn, they were still working based on the story of the original failed game. So they retooled it and reworked it, and then Heaven's Word, they got to, the new team got to do their own thing, which I pretty much thought that was that was what happened. It's like, hey, we have this, okay, we now we can break from that and go to our stuff. But you know, Yoshida told us today that like this is really where they're completely like on their own. Like like we were out of everything that was been done before. Now they really got to sit down and do exactly what they want to do with this story. It really is so that's, brand, that's really exciting. And it really is a brand new world because Final Fantasy XIV Shadowbringers story takes place in a zone called the First, which is a sort of parallel dimension to the rest of the FF14 world without getting into too much story complications. Yeah. And so it's a, a very exotic, wild interpretation of this of this world that is really exciting. So uh, if you're a 14 player you're probably already excited about this and if you're 14 curious just understand that the story gets better and better yes. and, and fans are very excited for this so okay that's enough to talk about Final Fantasy 14 you can tune back in listener um, <laughs> our next category is best booth uh, when you're walking the E3 show floor you know uh, all the companies that are, that are there are trying to put their uh, best face forward and just and just impress the um, the show goers as much as they can some of these booths are incredibly elaborate and and uh, and the, like even ostentatious. Yeah. Good word. Yeah. Um, one that's popular every year is Nintendo's. It's always the most crowded booth. It has often the longest lines or among the longest lines, but they really do bring it with just how colorful and creative it is. Um, now, uh, Corey, I know you did this. There was a big uh, Luigi's Mansion three setup that was like a like, like almost a miniature haunted house or haunted hotel, I guess. Yeah, exactly. It was a, a haunted hotel setup. It was beautiful. Like from the minute you walked in, there were neon uh, black light paint bats hanging from the ceilings. And as you got in, lightning was flashing on these uh, digital window screens all the way up. They had and bellhops in very stylish pink suits. They were, <laughs> they were sharp. And uh, they were definitely in full force there. Uh, up in front, you also had the check-in desk, which was great. And as I was leaving the haunted uh, hotel area for the Luigi's Mansion demo. There was a nice little mirror which uh, had some ghost reflections appearing in it so you could take a selfie with a couple of characters oh, from the game. so cute. 
Yeah, it was it was excellent. Nintendo really brings a bit of magic when it comes to their booths. Yeah, yeah they absolutely <laughs> embrace their identity and their characters. And the, you know, the Pokemon, the yeah, the Pokemon thing looked like an actual stadium. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And uh, Steph mentioned before how there was uh, these little um, dioramas of the of scenes from Link's Awakening so uh, around where the Link's Awakening demos were. Yeah, yeah it's great. super charming. But again. If the fact that you have to wait in line for three, almost like what, three hours a piece or two hours a piece just I was, to see I it? I was in line for three and a half hours for yeah. Awakening 2. Yeah. So, yeah. Your mileage really varies. Yes, it looks beautiful, but I mean, you're you're spending a good chunk of your valuable time. Yeah, they took up a big space as well. They always do anyway, like for Smash Ultimate last year, but this yeah. year in particular it felt like because of Sony not being there, Nintendo were the big company in yeah. that room, and it was just like there were crowds for Nintendo everywhere in one of the halls so i mean i loved it i like got a peek inside the pokemon booth and i loved seeing I feel like the walls basically had you know like the old wrestling games from the 90s and 2000s have like paper crowds where they're 2d it's exactly the same there it was really really cute massive jumbotrons on the wall showing yeah. showing dynamax battles <laughs> very exciting oh special shout out to uh to sega sega atlas or whatever but like for mario and sonic the olympics they actually had like a fake track and you actually had a rock climbing wall yeah mm -hmm. that was really yeah. impressive and the, and the giant genesis controller too. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 The, there was a you could line up to play a um genesis classic and that was a lot of fun Corey and i had a, a round or two of streets of rage too and there's also a, a, a version of the Genesis Classic where that was just a giant controller that was about three and a half feet across or so. Yeah, I would say that about <laughs> oh, that big. Yeah, but but yeah. worked but worked perfectly like a Genesis controller, and you could play any of the uh, mega any of the Mega Drive Classic games on it. It was fun watching people try to tandem it or or. You're uh, doing so good in Sonic thing. until the water part. Yeah, I, was, <laughs> I actually I almost beat Chemical Zone Act One, but uh, but then oh. the water got a little too high when the jumps got a little more complicated. Yeah, so that's where I die. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but uh, but yeah, that, um, Sega Atlas did a really good job, and um, Sega, Sega Atlas's booth in previous years was way smaller, but I think they ate up some of the available space from Sony not being there, yeah. and had yeah. it more than triple the size. You could actually navigate it this time. It was their best booth ever. But uh, our winner from last year was Capcom, and this year it was almost as good. They had a a big Monster Hunter display with the uh, uh, the Elder Dragon Velcana there, a really cool uh, Monster Hunter statue. That was such a cool, it, such a cool display. Yeah. It was yeah. really impressive. It was and, beautiful. Uh, and it was a lot like the Rathlos one from two years ago. Yeah, there was uh, a little Pelico around the corner as well. He was super oh, yeah. adorable. He was dressed up for the snow for yeah. Ice. <laughs> but they, they didn't have that many demos, though. I think no. it was Monster Hunter Iceborne and nothing else. Capcom didn't have a major uh, announcement at this show, mm. which which surprised me quite a bit. I mean, we know they're preparing for Double May Cry 6 with Lady and Trish, so I'm for, you know, Capcom. And probably Keanu Reeves. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, you know what? Devil, more Devil May Keanu would be the game of the yeah. year any year. <laughs> Is that about a Palico? Yeah. <laughs> just stop gaming and just play that forever. <laughs> Uh, more yeah. more seriously, they're probably all prepping for just next gen stuff. Like this is probably yeah, the E3 yeah, or all the new gen stuff. So, uh, like while the titles were strong, it definitely felt just a little emptier than other years. <laughs> Um, but yeah, Capcom was a little bit, uh, like, as good as they are and often, you know, very hospitable and all that, it was a little, a little empty. Still great, just a little empty. More space, but I, th I think I, uh, some of the companies were maybe taking this year off yeah. for a bigger 2020, yeah. which is definitely Sony and probably Capcom among them. Yeah. I think Capcom also has to prepare for the next, uh, unannounced 
uh, Monster Hunter Iceborne DLC, the Velkianu uh, Elder <laughs> Dragon. <laughs> yeah. So, so what you're saying oh is God. that someone killed G John Wick's Palico and the entire Monster Hunter world must pay. Absolutely. <laughs> um, the most recent Monster Hunter Iceborne trailer uh, showed off Tigrex and Velkana. And uh, the roar at the very end was probably Glavinus from Monster Hunter Generations. For you Monster Hunter fans out there that know a bunch of made-up dinosaur words like me. Um, so, and, and also a, a, a new wyvern called Barbara. But anyway, the Monster Hunter Iceborne looks really cool, but Capcom's booth itself was maybe a little disappointing. Uh, but I don't think we mentioned the it's like Square Enix really had a great space this year. They yeah, have. They, they often did. do, though. They always have tons of demos uh, usually set up. It's a beautiful space. Um, I, say I think it extended have... outside of just the, the booth, though, because... Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah exactly. Yeah. I mean, I think the they, experience. they probably had the second biggest space on the show, I reckon, mm -hmm. but they really did a lot of work with it. So they have three areas. They have a store, uh, the Shadowbringers area, which was really cool, set up like Titania, set up with all the Challenges booth. That was really great. They also had the Avengers section, which was really cool. They had the costumes for some of the characters who were a um, feature in that game. But uh, for me, personally, uh, the Final Fantasy VII Remake area was oh, particularly fantastic. Yes, yeah. I got to demo that game. Um, so it was a really fun experience. You had to get a ticket, which was basically a train ticket for Sector 7. I actually seven. like that system. It beats yeah. waiting in line. It was, great. Yeah. Yeah. it was a really good we, idea. We still waited in line for about an hour, though. But yeah, yes. 45 yeah. minutes, but yeah. it was still worth it, definitely. So you stood in line for tickets, and it was really cool because you had some actors walking around. They were playing female Turks. And <laughs> they would take your ticket, they would tear a little bit off of it, and they would watch you walk in. And they would sometimes eye you up a little bit and make sure you were not going to cause any problems or anything like that. One this, of them had terms. They were in, in character too, so they if you were. ask them, Straight yeah, the whole way through. Like, if you yeah. if you ask them, what's your insurance like? They'll say the best. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They had one of them had rude gloves on from the one of the Turks from Final Fantasy VII, and definitely, you know, I I. I would have wanted her to punch me, but also, like, off the record, she shouldn't punch me. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, it was just a really fantastic experience you go through. Uh, on the inside, we're not allowed to take pictures as such of any of the demos or anything, but you've got the central mocker reactor, which just looked really great. And I don't know, like, it just was really great to see Square Enix embracing their kind of, yeah. they're embracing the space and really embracing, like, you know, people want Final Fantasy VII Remake and they absolutely delivered out of the top yeah. this year. And I think with their three different areas, along with their small Dragon Quest builders bit and everything, they had so much on offer. It was, it's almost hard to ignore. They were right at the front of one of the halls and right next to 2K Games and other big studios and they just blew it out of the park for me personally. Yeah, they didn't have playable stations for any of the Trials of Mana stuff or uh, no. or um, Dragon Quest XI S, but it's almost because they just had so much other, so many other demos and so many other big spaces mm -hmm. that they Absolutely. just couldn't fit it all. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. I think Square Enix is the winner of this category, personally. Yeah, yeah I mean, uh, I, I personally, I, I was uh, stared at by a Turk for about two minutes while I was waiting in line. <laughs> she, she took my ticket, she tore, tore it off, and then she just stared at me for two minutes. She was probably asking for your number, Zach. Maybe. Um, it was awesome. Black spiky hair. Um, anyway, um, but the thing that I thought was really cool was when we walked into the demo station, uh, uh, Jesse actually introduced us to sort of the gameplay oh, yeah. mechanics mm -hmm. uh, of how the demo was about to work. Um, it was a really creative way. Yeah, she hacked into the, basically, like yeah. if you're on a train, Shin, a Shinra advertisement, and she hacked into it. So it was really cool. Ooh. Yeah, I mean, it was creative, and then we, I mean, honestly, 
for best booth, I, I don't know what else I can say except I played Final Fantasy VII Remake. <laughs> um, I, I think that, that, that makes it a winner immediately. I don't care what else happened anywhere else. I mean, I think the second best one was Nintendo, and I think this is Square Enix one Nintendo too. Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, a lot of us were waiting in line for long periods of time at the Nintendo booth, but it really had a lot of creativity and imagination in the... Uh, in their displays and a lot of demos available. The only problem with the, were the lines for them. And uh, I mean, that, that that Luigi's Mansion 3 space was pretty remarkable. To get a third runner up though, I actually really like the XT booth. It's very quick, concise. You literally just come mm -hmm. in and play. Is. And the yeah. people in there are delightful. That the people one, are delightful. Yes. That were <laughs> ton it. The, the yeah, store, the they have a store there. They sell games at a cheaper price, tax free. And it's yeah. also like all collector's editions too. Yeah, I got yes. Cold Steel 2 for a good price. And also yes. a shout out to Nipponichi Software America, which did not have a booth, and said they met us at a Chinese restaurant and let us order appetizers. Pearl Abyss took us to a movie theater, which was fantastic. <laughs> wow. Nice. For, yeah, for Black Desert. Yeah. Yeah. Feed us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll talk about you on a podcast. <laughs> you don't win anything, but thank you anyway. <laughs> So I think I think we're basically in agreement. Square Enix had the best booth at E3 with Nintendo as the runner up per RPG fans E3 2019 awards. Now we only have one award remaining, and that is best of show. Um, what game or games uh, impressed us the most at E3? I'm sorry, it's late, and we're all we've all been working and writing in time and uh, and want sleep very much. But. Uh, I think that when we talked about this a little bit before the show began, it was really two games that it came down to, and that's the Final Fantasy VII Remake and Cyberpunk 2017, 2077. I mean, did we really expect this? <laughs> <laughs> did we really expect the extent of their coverage for this year's show? Like, Cyberpunk is neither of these games. They've existed for, like, the last five years. They've not had a release date, or they've been delayed. We've had nothing on them for a few years, and then... All of a sudden, wham, bam, you've got like so much information to take in at once, and it's like you're suddenly super excited for both these games. The FF7 remake in particular, like, again, I say it, Final Fantasy VII is not one of my favorite games. It's pretty amazing. It was revolutionary for the time, but it's not like my absolute favorite. But seeing it and holding it and playing it, it was just uh, like my jaw was on the floor. Like, I, I literally cannot believe that this is a real game and that I'm going to play it. And, Eight months time, I I'm absolutely blown away by it personally. I think both of these titles almost seem like they should be should have been pushed to next gen. Like they both absolutely. totally seem so ambitious. Yeah. I've convinced myself PS5 for both of these. Yeah, absolutely. I wasn't hundred percent sure that Final Fantasy VII uh, remake would have any presence at the show. Like before we saw that trailer, I wasn't sure we would even get a new trailer. And for them to have a uh, breathtaking trailer. And maybe the best E3 demo I've ever played in my four years of going to E3. Yeah, uh, I would agree. Yeah, it was it was awesome. And uh, and and I, I almost won't feel like apologizing to Zach. Um, uh, I think the real the reason that FF7 has a bit more uh, momentum than uh, Cyberpunk here is because only one person got to experience that that show. Yeah, I, I mean the reality is Cyberpunk. Yeah. Honestly, I think Cyberpunk and I. I can't believe I'm about to say this because I love Final Fantasy VII. I think Cyberpunk is probably going to be a better game. Um, the the work on it and the you know the live demo it, it's just incredible. I, I, like I said I, earlier, I, I I've never seen a game do as many things as well as it seems Cyberpunk is going to do. But the reality is, the almost no one got to see Cyberpunk, and 
we actually got to play Final Fantasy VII Remake. And, yeah. you know, and there was more theatricality. So I, it's not just about, I think, the best game. I, I, I don't really know for sure which one the best game is going to be, but I can tell you which one presented better here. And that is decidedly Final Fantasy VII Remake. And Final Fantasy VII Remake played really well. The demo, uh, the live demo footage that we saw was incredible. Um, so if I had to pick one, I would pick Final Fantasy VII Remake, even though I was stunned by Cyberpunk and think it might be a better game. But the reality is I know more about Final Fantasy VII Remake at this point, and they definitely put on a better showing here. Yeah, the award's best of show. And we and I think we're pretty unanimous that these are worthy two games that impressed us the most this show. But uh, one of them had a public demo that four of us got to play. Uh, yeah, it, it, Final Fantasy VII was more present at the show than Cyberpunk, and I think that matters. Yeah. Yeah. You, um, but so all of you people saying like FF15 ruined the series. You know, I hope this can give you just a little bit of a uh, little bit of hope. <laughs> oh, yeah. We're, Final we're... Fantasy XV RPG fans game of the year 2017. <laughs> yeah. Well, 2016. 2016. I think. Oh, 2016. Right. Oh my bad. Final Fantasy was a good game. So we, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <Fine>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we like Final Fantasy VII so much that we're. I guess willing to overlook the fact that it's allegedly really called Final Fantasy VII Remake. <laughs> uh, I still think they might change that. I yeah. hope they do. Yeah, I don't think they change that. <laughs> I appreciate the straightforwardness of it. I mean, yeah. They should subtitle it Final Fantasy like VII Meteor Strike yeah. Twice. Reunion. <laughs> Final Fantasy VII Reunion. Yeah, reunion. I like that. Oh, oh yeah. Reunion, that, that's actually pretty good. Yeah. No, I've been children got so obnoxious about that. Well, mother. Yeah. Or mother. Mother! Never again. <laughs> Final Fantasy VII Mother's Day. <laughs> oh, that's right. We have a nice Mother's Day feature from May and a Father's Day feature that did that posted a few days ago. Please check both of those out. And a out. Daddy's Day. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that's later. Every, every day's Daddy's Day. That is a different feature with some. Every entry has a key. Yeah. Okay, I think certain Yakuza characters might feature heavily in the Father's Day feature. But that is neither here nor there. Where we are right now is the end of the RPG Fan E3 2019 awards. Um, this has been Random Encounter. Uh, please visit RPG Fan for our fine, for much, many fine content, including reviews, previews from this very E3 show, uh, other podcasts. We have an Instagram page, a Twitter page, Twitch stuff going on every single day. Oh, man. I don't know about you guys, but I'm about ready to you know, prepare for my flight home and then oh, yeah. mm. and then write some more. <laughs> yeah. I'm playing Trials of Mana. Yes. I, Immediately. Downloading Trials of Mana. That's right. Trials of Mana, Cadence of Hyrule, a lot of stuff you can do from this show available right now. We're all I'm really say, happy right now, I think. Yeah. Everybody, if you're interested in RPGs, book September off. That's yeah. all I can say. Yeah, September just, just looks so dense. And like next spring, it, there's going to be... September, just, March. Yeah, yeah, September and mm -hmm. March are going to be crazy over the next nine months. I don't understand. Shadowbringers and Dragon Quest come out in July. Oh, it's just you then taking fun off like July. I guess so. Oh. And a different Dragon Quest comes out in September. Yeah. Just like all this other stuff. Yes. Oh, and 12 is in development. Zelda's in September too. Oh, so. God. Uh, wake me up when September out. ends. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> All right. Uh, uh, listeners, thank you. Good night. And thank you. Bye. You're all breathtaking. <laughs>